Hello and welcome to QAV. This is episode 445, the free edition. This week on the free edition of the show, we're talking about our top three stocks from last week, PRU, BFG and CVL. Why SHJ, Shine Justice, has been a bit of a quiet sleeper in my portfolio. Why you shouldn't innovate until you're a QAV black belt. Why we should not filter price to operating cash flow less than seven. Whoops, my bad. And why rule number one is important. Um, There's more in the club edition, but that's what's in the free edition this week. It's about half an hour of good stuff, so let's get into it. Oh, we're on. Hey, welcome back to QAV. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 445. Quattrocento quarantacinque. Si, va bene. You're back in Sydney, Tony. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, had a nice break. Thank you. Good. In wonderful Wagga Wagga, I finally found the clay, Australian clay shooting centre. Did it look Wagga good? Wagga. Did it look good? Did it look impressive? It's, it's hard to see where they spent five million bucks. That's for sure. It's, it's like a moan football field with a shed at one end. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But did you go yeah. to their houses and see what their rentals were? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, couldn't couldn't get close to their houses for the security guards. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the moat that they had yeah. built. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, it's been uh, it's been a rocky week on the markets while you're away, Tony. You go Ooh. away and the markets go all rocky. Our portfolio, I just had a look at it before, dropped a couple of points last week. Some of our stocks, ZJL, took the brunt. Yeah. A couple of others. Saw that. Yeah. But anyway, we're still beating the index by 50%, so, you know, <laughs> no, no, no problem. We're beating the index by 50% or we're double index? No, by 50%. I think um, the 200 uh, was uh, up five points for the financial year and we're up seven. So, no, it's about 40%. Oh, 40%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bit of and a rocky day our, today. Just looking at our top three stocks mm-hmm. for the week. Mm-hmm. Perseus Mining, L Financial Group, and CVL. That's Civmac, isn't it? I think. Yeah, CVL. Yeah. What are those three again? PRU, which is uh, Perseus Mining, is up 3.91%. Mm-hmm. BFG, Bell Financial, up 3.04%. Mm-hmm. And CVL, which I think is Civmac or Civ Mechanical, is up 2.9%. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. they didn't help us against the others that were down 8, 5, <laughs> and 5, but uh, better than nothing. They didn't help us against what, sorry? Oh, the three that dropped that I yeah, right. sent out in the yep. newsletter today that dropped eight, five, and five from memory. But um, I tell you, just by the by, one of the quiet champions of my portfolio, which I don't think we've really talked about ever in any detail, is Shine Justice, SHJ. Probably too mm-hmm. small for you. I imagine they're a small cap. Yeah. Yep. But um, just recently, they've shot up. They've gone from $1.25, $1.28 at the end of October up to uh, $1.53. Don't know why. They were tracking along. I bought the majors ago. They were tracking along. But back in August, they were like a buck. Gone up 50 cents yeah. since August. So um, Very nice. So there's got to be something. Looks like there was an announcement about a high court ruling on the 5th. Could that be it? Why would that make their share price go up? I don't know. Well, they're a class action lawyer. Yeah, but what do they get paid by the win? Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what they get. <laughs> <laughs> don't you just, if you're a lawyer, don't you just get your fee? 
regardless, win or lose, class no, action, you get US it. style. Right. This is no fee. Yeah, no win, no fee. Right. Yeah. Well, good for them. But another one, like a, I remember when it popped up on my checklist whenever I bought it six months ago, and I was like, really? Law firm? Yeah. Yeah, it's on the list. <laughs> Got to buy it. And, uh, yeah, it's done well. And I hadn't even really noticed. I just happened to look today and was like, oh, it's up oh, 50% since I bought it. Which, wow, that's nice. Which leads me to something I want to talk about, which was came up. We had a, we had a small Brisbane dinner here uh, last week. Thank you to the guys that came along. Uh, Stephen, uh, Dave, Mark, and Tim, and Taylor was there, and Taylor's mate Chris, who's been investing with QAV, and myself. It was relatively small. Don't know what happened to everyone else from our last time. Well, some of them said they couldn't make it. But anyway, one of the main topics of discussion was why you shouldn't innovate in QAV until you're at least a black belt. <laughs> At least, at least a black belt. Okay. At least a black belt. <laughs> and, we, you know, some of the guys that were there were saying, yeah, you know, in the early 12 months, first year of QAV, I was like, well, I'm not going to buy this, I'm not going to buy that, but I'll buy this one and I'll buy that one and I'll try and, you know, I, I'll ignore rule one here or I'll ignore the three-point trend line there and I'll tweak this and I'll tweak that. And I think you're responsible for this, Tony, because you're always saying, yeah, uh, you know, innovate, do it your way, like uh, come up with new ideas. It's all good. Uh, you know, you're too humble. You're like, yeah, I'm sure people can improve upon it, et cetera, et cetera. But, of course, what happens is <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to make the chocolate cake. I'm just, oh, I won't put chocolate in it. I'll put uh, smoked salmon. Which is great, but it's not going to look like a chocolate cake. Don't come back to me. Albert. It goes, oh, it didn't taste like a chocolate cake. Well, it's because you put smoked salmon in it. And uh, these guys were saying, yeah, eventually we just went, oh, we'll just stop doing that and we'll just follow the system. And it seems to work a lot better when you just follow the rules. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. I mean, I, I do encourage people to try new things, but in a champion challenger setting. So, you know, put a small amount of your portfolio to the test. And if it works, then feed it back into the major part, but don't give up. It's like, uh, I don't know what the term is, but it's like in chess, you don't give up ground unless there's a better ground to go to, right? So unless you're sure that what you're going to do is better than QAV, then you don't, you don't give up QAV. You're a chess player, Tony. Why haven't we ever, ever had no, a game of chess? Not well, at all. What are you doing using chess analogies? It'd be like me doing, using a golf analogy or a, <laughs> a horse racing analogy. It's... In chess, you, you actually you often give up ground, but, you know. Do you? Okay. Yeah, to be sneaky. Give up pieces right. too. Taylor's right. good okay. at that. Taylor's, Taylor's sort of very good at just sacrificing pieces to uh, expose weaknesses in my position. And while he's, you know, answering text messages on his phone and acting like he's not even paying attention, he's <laughs> smart ass. He's probably Googling the grandmasters and their responses <laughs> to your, your board set. No, you're right. I'm not, a, I'm not a chess player. But that's, I mean, that's the basic rule of life. And you don't give up ground until you get better ground on offer, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So general, look, people can do whatever they want, of course. But general idea would be if you are going to innovate, don't mm -hmm. use your real portfolio to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, innovate Correct. on the side. Yeah, and there is a process. Test on the side. Do it on paper first. When you're comfortable, do it with a small part of your portfolio. If it works, roll it into the, the main portfolio and let us all know. Yeah. We can, we can look at it too. And that's, that's the way I do it. And that's, I mean, that's important because there, is, there are always, there are so many different types of risks. And oftentimes you, it's, the, the known, it's the unknown unknowns, right? Because you do it on paper, might look great. Maybe you happen to pick the best period to analyze for that particular strategy. And that's a real classic rookie mistake that, oh, I've noticed over the last six months that 
law firms listed on the on the ASX are doing really well. I'm gonna I'm gonna take all my money out of you know, my portfolio and put it in law firms, right? Well, that, that's okay. Six months of analysis, you're correct. Yeah. But run it live with a small part of the portfolio for the next six months. Yeah. And just just see because there's and there's also operational risk. What happens if that in that six month period when you're running the challenger part of the portfolio, I know you get sick and don't pay attention to the market or you get distracted with work or whatever, and you come back after a few months and go, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah, all these right. law firms have gone have gone well past my cell lines and well past rule one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there's operational risk. Um, there's timing. All those risks are out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, if you're going to test and try something, follow a process to do that on paper in a in a challenger part of your portfolio, no more than 10%, and then roll it up into the, the main one if and it survives. How long should you do that on paper to know that it's probably legit? I think six to 12 months. You want at least one, if not two, reporting periods in your, in your analysis. Right. So 12 months. I'd, I'd say 12 months because like, things can be seasonal. You know, like with retail, look, if you're testing a retail strategy and it's over the Christmas period, it's going to look great. But mm. you know, 60% of the retail sales are done in the second half of the year. Mm. And then you go live in the first half of the year and suddenly you're going, oh, this is, not, this is not working too well. Yeah. And plenty of other industries are like that too. So yeah, at least 12 months. Or at least until you get your black belt. I will be <laughs> manufacturing QAV black belts. When, you, when, when we give you a black belt, then you can set up your own dojo and teach your style of kindest and kung fu. <laughs> you have the little, little black and white photo of Tony dressed in a robe up on the wall. Burn some incense when you come in every morning. Sip a dram. A little bow. Some Negroni. All right. What else did I want to talk about? Prop calf. Oh, my God. So last week when you and I were doing the checklist, uh, we discovered that I only had about, well, not at the end of the process, but at the beginning of the process, I started the, the checklist process with about 50% of the stocks you had. And when we were trying to figure out why, we realized it's because the first thing I've been doing before I do my manual data updates is I filter by prop calf, uh, price to operating cash flow, seven, uh, less than seven. I just I, I weed all those out in the first place and then I do it. And you said to me, no, 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 you can't do that because there's some that may have a price to operating cash flow slightly higher than seven, but will still get a good QAV score and we still want to invest in those. We don't eradicate them completely if their prop calf is higher than seven. Yeah, which is why I put all the shares into my watch list and then sort by price to operating cash flow and then look at, I, I tend to go down, I look at the QAV score after that. For those that have a price to operating cash flow greater than seven, I look at the QAV score and basically uh, looking for ones which are about 0.04 or above um, and that I either haven't scored or have a downtrend for sentiment, because when you add them manually into data, you know, the most you can get from doing that to add to the score is two points for sentiment, two points for price to operating cash flow, one point for new three-point trend line, and one point for uh, increasing equity. So you can add six points to the score. Um, so there's no point looking at anything that scores less than 0.04, but, but 0.04 and above, you could actually get them onto the buy list. So uh, this is for everybody who's been using the Flitman model checklist, because when I wrote the instructions for that some moons ago, when it first came out, I said, I, I, I wrote down what I did, which is at, right at the get-go, filter anything with a prop calf seven or below. 
And so I've changed that now in the instructions. It says eight and below. When you and I talked about it last week, you said, yeah, eight's probably – because if something's got a, a prop calf of higher than eight, it's probably not going to score well enough to be high on our list, right? No, probably. Um, let me just have a look, though, because it could. I'm just going to try and find one that is on that borderline. Or maybe just don't filter it at all. Just take that whole line out. Yeah, well, that's what I do. I leave all the – all the things which have positive, my first download from Stock Doctor is everything with a positive operating cash flow. Uh, and that gives me, you know, well, my latest download had 700 of records in it. I didn't have it, had uh, 683 records in it. And then I sorted it by price to operating cash flow, uh, which, which, you know, reduces it way down to maybe 180 or so. But I still leave the other ones in. So if you look at um, what's a good company, Furtis Health, VRT. Where's its price to operating cash flow? Yeah, 7.14. It's just that's on the borderline, but you said eight, didn't you? Yeah, you got anything over eight? I'm just looking now. When you say you, you sort by that, do you then check, do all the manual data for all of the stocks with a prop calf higher than seven every time? Uh, no. So what's... No, I look at, I look at manually. So I do manually enter data. If there's uh, something in that hundred and... 80-odd shares, so they're prop calf seven or less, I'll go through and look at things which haven't been checked for a while. So in my manually entered data sheet, I've got a date of when I last checked it. If it's in the current month, I don't bother updating it. I'll look at in the last couple of columns of my spreadsheet anyway, there's a an automatically generated column that gives me a, an automated sentiment check, which is based on stock Dr. SD Max being in an uptrend and the price change for the last six months being positive and the price change for the last five years being positive. If that says uptrend and I've got a sentiment score of no against it, I'll go and check those. So I'm kind of trying to filter and save the workload on that 180. Yeah. So I'm doing that by filtering out the ones with a prop calf higher than seven because it normally leaves me with, I don't know, 60 or 70 stocks rather than the full 180 that I have to go through. Well, hang on. So... But my prop calf list of those seven or below is 180. How are you only getting a smaller list? Well, that smaller list, that's half what I get. Well, this week I did eight or below and I got about 180. The previous week I did seven and below and I ended up with, well, I don't know, maybe I think it was about 60 last week that I had. I don't know what it would have been if I didn't. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make a big difference to the buy list because at the end, you know, the ones that have a prop calf higher than seven don't get the two points, and they're they're just unlikely that they're going to rank very high. And particularly, you know, when I started doing it, it was for my own. You know, we weren't publishing it, so it was for my own buy list. Yeah, I'm only looking for the top twenty stocks, right? So the ones with a high prop calf aren't going to be on that list. Yeah, and I do a an ADT filter on mine too for for large cap stocks. So I'm only ever getting. 20, 25 stocks on my list if I was doing it for myself. Yeah. And so and because a lot of the ADT stocks tend to have low QAV scores, they're down 0.1, 0.11, Correct. You know, some of those that start with a very low score, the 0.4, 0.04, 0.05, might get up to that. 
but they're not going to. It's unlikely that they're going to end up with a 0.35 or a 0.27. So yeah, I don't think it's really affected me by doing that. But now that we're publishing, you know, a full list, it's more important. Are you? F- and if you and if you're investing in high ADT stocks like you. Yeah. Are you filtering for anything else? Because if I do eight or below, I'm getting 257 stocks in my list. Are you filtering for commodities first or yeah. anything else? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. I'll filter out things that I know have um, commodities in a cell thing. And because of that, I missed Zimplats again this week. I had to put Zimplats back in because Platinum's back up again. Mm-hmm. I filter out things with a qualified audit. I filter out the prop calf. Um, yeah, that's it before I start my analysis, usually. Okay, so that would also explain a bit of a difference. A little bit. Yeah. Anywho. So I'm just looking at a stock like, um, I think it's BIS, Biz Alloy. Yeah. So it's on the buy list. It's got a prop calf of 7.84. Wow, that's high. Yeah, and there's another one. So one I was looking at, which didn't make it on the buy list, but it came close, OFX, uh, which will have some new numbers out soon. So it may come onto the buy list. Its prop calf currently is... 8.05, 8.05, and its QAV score is, oh, it's only 0.02. Okay, that won't make it. Right. Uh, let, me, let me just get down. There's one other one down here. So I'm getting scores. I've got a 7.07 for Viva Leisure. So I'd probably have a look at that and see if I can add the three points in manually into data for that one. I've got a 0.08 for Beacon Lighting, and its prop calf has blown out to 8.32. So, yeah, so there's a couple which potentially can make it back onto the buy list, even in the eights. Right, you know. And they're worth checking. Yeah, Yeah. but again, those are – if I was doing this for myself and just looking for the top 20, they're not going to make it into the top 20. They won't make it into the top 20, no. But something like a beacon lighting, I think it's a large cap stock from memory, so that would be something I'm interested in. Yeah, so if people – particularly this is important for people with a high ADT. Yeah. Um, yeah. Barrier. Okay. Moving right along. Um, let's discuss Andrew's thread on the Facebook group about rule one, rule number one. It's getting back to uh, okay. sort of the you have to remind conversation me what that is. about. Um, <laughs> so, Andrew on the Facebook group posted rule number one don't lose money. It's been brought up a few times, and I'm still trying to work on a strategy personally about how far below my entry price I'm willing to wait for a stock to turn back upwards. I compared everything I've sold to its current share price Mm -hmm. as at the 3rd of November 21. Most of them haven't really kicked on to great highs, especially when you consider that some of these were sold up to 12 months ago, but nearly all of them have come good, which just reinforces to me the whole reason for buying them in the first place. Good businesses are good prices. It also highlights the importance of watching the underlying underlying commodity sentiment as evident with AIS, CIA and FMG are still significantly down. A great piece of info, TK. This list hasn't taken into account the stocks I went on to buy with the proceeds of selling the above-mentioned stocks, but since I haven't sold those, they're nearly all doing better than their predecessors. Forgive me, Tony, for I have sinned and bought a non-QAV stock, JLG. In my defense, it could have been Bitcoin. <laughs> and then there was a ton of uh, commentary on that from people. Um, let's see. Uh, Doug said, I'm 100% with you here. I struggle with this one too. I'm going to do the same analysis. I'm also concerned we're interpreting Buffett's rule in an odd way. Effectively, you don't lose money until you do actually sell. 
And having just read another book interpreting the rule number one, they say you avoid losing money by buying wonderful businesses at fair prices. Technically, our QAV checklist finds these wonderful businesses, so we should be fine for a set and forget strategy almost. I also wonder if you'd be better off buying more of those positions that are down, knowing that with QAV they will come good over time. Food for thought. Alice said, I found it a pretty difficult adjustment also to steer away from long-term buy and hold. I didn't expect to be doing as much buying and selling, and it got beyond my comfort zone. Then I froze and just stopped doing anything. Uh, Brett said, we tend to use 10% as the rule number one, but I'm not sure if there's much behind this number apart from it being what Tony was offered as an insurance policy once. Have you measured the maximum drawdown per company? A good sample size of these could help refine the 10% rule. Also, you make a really good point about the proceeds of what you sold. Our success is profit over time. So if you can minimize the time in a downturn, then it will boost success. Get your money working where it's appreciated. Duncan said, this is an excellent and simple analysis that has prompted me to do something similar with my portfolio. I too have started to grow weary of doling out cash to my broker because of high churn and have now moved from Consec to self-wealth <laughs> with a view to mitigating this. When I did the analysis, I was horrified to see that I'd apparently sold out on some really good performers. Which reminds me of what you told me once is never don't check when you sell something, don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> Some were ones I had not yeah, expected. I did not refine it. it to exclude three PTL cells, just all sell transactions. Turns out that since about February when I started to apply QAV in earnest, I've sold about fifty-two stocks. I have repurchased some of these. 44 of these sales were due to some variation of rule one rather than other reasons. 32 of those have risen since I sold, but only 17 by more than 10%. Only five have risen by more than 20%. Three of those five were rule one decisions, but a similar number of greater 20%, greater than 20% losses appeared on the list too. All of those were rule one too. Interesting. So, it, it, it spurred a lot of conversation, so uh, I thought it was worth uh, bringing up and getting your thoughts on it. Well, yeah, my thoughts are the rules. So first of all, rule yeah, Buffett's rule one isn't sell at ten percent of your of your purchase price. His rule one is just don't lose money. We've just paraphrased it to apply to our stop loss. Yeah, so that's that's the that's a fair comment. Brett was right in his comments that I uh, I started to think about this when I was offered insurance to protect my my. Um, portfolio from falling more than 10%. Um, so I said, well, I can do that for nothing by selling, selling things that are 10% below what I paid for them. And, um, and that's when I started doing it. Again, it's one of these statistical things. Not, it's not everything you sell when it drops 10% will keep going down and won't, you know, at some stage in the future, turn around and go up and make money for you. The way I approach it is that it's, am I, am I better off? holding on to something and waiting it for turn to turn round and it's got to improve by 10% and more over time or am I better off taking 90% of the cash and putting it into something which I think is more certain to go up by 10% in the short term. So it's an opportunity cost thing and, I, and my experience is, and I haven't done crunched the numbers on this, my experience is it's the latter, right? If something drops 10%, it's probably going to keep dropping and sure, it's a, probably a good quality company that will come around eventually. Uh, but in the meantime, I could have made up my 10% by investing in something where the share price is clearly going up, scores well on the checklist, and sentiments you know, in its favour. And you're probably playing a lot more transaction brokerage than most of us. Ooh, I am. I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing uh, 40 bips, roughly, depending on the amount. 40 bips? Point, point 0.4 of 1%. So, so like chickens? No, what? Yeah. <laughs> 
points basis points. Of what basis points? Oh, it's 40 basis points. So it's it's less than one. It's 40 points right. compared to 1%. And your average transaction size is how much, Tony? <laughs> he asks. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, so close! So close! <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's over a million dollars. Right. So what's 40 basis points of a million dollars? My brain can't calculate anything in that, those sort of figures. Well, 1% is 10,000, so 0.4 is 4,000. Four thousand bucks a trade. Right, four thousand. Let's say at least four thousand dollars. Yes, or more. A trade. Yep. <laughs> right. What are you laughing at? Because uh, we live in different worlds. <laughs> we live in different worlds. Um, <laughs> so well, I'm not going to sit. That, I'm not going to sit on self wealth with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another two thousand dollars bought. <laughs> Whoa! Got five hundred dollars of stock. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm leaving it to the pros. Oh, come on! I thought you were, uh, you know, conservative, fiscally conservative. Tony. You could be making, you could be saving money there by uh, doing it in small parcels. Possibly could, and possibly I'd get enough experience over time to, to you know, trade big numbers on the stock market. But I'd rather leave it to the experts. My camera's lost focus. Yeah. Apparently, if I laugh too hard, <laughs> focus. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Four thousand dollars in brokerage, and you you you're not phased by that no. when you're doing real one sells because you're like, yeah, you know, I'll make it, I'll make it back up, and then some. Yeah, so it's it's always the question of are you better off holding or redeploying the cash into something which has got a better chance of improving. Right. If something's dropped ten percent, um, well, first of all, if it's dropped ten percent straight away, then you know we got the we got the idea wrong, we got the thesis wrong. Something happened, we didn't see it, and it's dropped quickly. So you're better off getting out just to protect yourself from the downside. If you bought something and over time it's and you bought it and it was above the sell price, and over time it, it, it sort of works back towards your buy price and getting out, it's on a long, slow decline back towards its sell price. So again, it could turn up from there. I mean, things can drop below their sell line and turn around and, and improve again. It's the same sure. argument. It's the same argument. We're, we're just using, you know, we're trusting sentiment. We're trusting that, that the trend continues. The trend is our friend. And uh, we're just, you know, drawing, drawing you know, a, a position where we think that the trend's going to keep going, 10% below our buy price or the three-point sell line breach. Oh, that's our... But the same argument applies to both, right? We just said at the start of this program that my download originally had 180 stocks below um, price to operating cash flow of seven. Mm. And our buy list has half that on it, right? So half the stocks are in negative sentiment. If you think that uh, that because it's a QAV stock, and the, and the half that we've knocked off for sentiment reasons could have really good QAV scores, mm. would you buy those? If you buy those, you're you're probably going to hold them while they continue to lose before they turn around and and make money. It's a similar sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I know from experience that's not the way to invest. It, it can take six months. It can take another set of numbers to come out before something will turn around. That's mm. um, on the decline. It's not worth waiting and and tying your money up. Yeah. So you're uh, you're uh, still advocating rule one makes sense. Correct. There you go. Let's see what's next. Uh, uh, stocks of the week, Tony. You want to do those now? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Do you want me to go through my news things first? Before we do that, well, okay. Well, then that's no. You don't want to do this first. <laughs> Go through your news things. 
The Lagan email from the VIX is saying our portfolio is up 6.21% for the month of October. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, despite the downturn you spoke about in the first week of November. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to plug our charity exchange raffle one more time. It's the last week. I think there's only about 700 tickets left. And that's the one we were raffling off a full set of Callaway clubs and a bag for charity exchange, which is a business that you, your son and, and I'm in. And we're hoping to, to sell out and, and raise um, a substantial amount of money for Sporting Chance, a, a cancer charity that helps kids. And, you know, particularly trying to do a good job this time, it's our first raffle with them, uh, which is Mark Taylor's charity for anyone who knows uh, sports people or cricket in, in, in our listening, listening audience. Um, and if we can do a good job for them and, you know, prove the model, then um, we hope to keep doing it for them and for others. So this is our kind of proof of concept. So if people can, I, I know we've got good support from our listeners before for it, and I apologise for, for pitching something on our on our podcast, but uh, it's important to us and, and raising money for charity. It's ahfraffles.org slash golf. Yeah, thank you. That's it, ahfraffles.org. Slash golf. Right, because there's been other ones too. Right. All right. Go and support that, everyone, uh, particularly you you rich guys uh, <laughs> and girls. Let's talk about gas coin. Back to stocks, gas coin. So uh, gas coin has been dropped um, last week. And dropped? West Gold. Yeah. Let me check. What do you mean dropped? Dropped by share price. Share price dropped. Oh, the share week. price dropped. Right, yes. Which, of course, it did because it was our stock of the week a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's up today 3%. That's good. Um, so quick quick summary. Gascoigne is uh, entering into a partnership with another company called Firefly. And then West Gold, a larger gold company, uh, came in and lobbed a more attractive bid as long as the merger with Firefly didn't go ahead. Gascoigne found out that uh, they were at such an advanced stage with Firefly that they couldn't get out of it, and it was approved by the Supreme Court on Monday, at which time, Monday last week, at which time Gascoigne shares dropped because West Gold withdrew their offer because their condition was to um, to take over Gascoigne without Firefly. Uh, so there's been a bit of argy bargy all week. Uh, I think Gascoigne, uh, sorry, I think West Gold is going to the to ASIC to see if they can appeal the merger, but they're not holding much hope. So that's that's the update on Gascoigne. Right. And probably a good time to talk about West Gold. Yes. Pulled pork, stock of the week. Right. Well, that's the end of the free episode this week. If you're brand new to QAV, um, you should know that we have a free edition and a club edition each week. Club editions for our club members. Usually goes for another half an hour to an hour. I think this one went for about another hour this week. An hour and a half was the show. Um, and in the club edition, we talk about our stocks of the week, which are WGX and ABA, the failed GCY acquisition by WGX this week, mistakes Tony heard other investors talking about on another investing podcast, whether or not directors taking large positions in their own company deserves extra credit on our checklist, the weird CBA sell line, Mad's weird share capital numbers, IHVV's returns, they're an ETF. Uh, the MQG share purchase plan, Tony's experience with uh, listed investment company returns and why he stopped investing in them, and how much real estate is enough. Um, now, if you want to check out our club editions and all the other benefits you get being a club member, like uh, access to our private Facebook group, um, invites to our dinners and our online Zoom calls, 
the ability to ask questions of Tony for the show each week, etc., etc., go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, go to the uh, free trial, you get a two-week free trial, and uh, check it out. And you can listen to everything, you get access to everything for a couple of weeks, and see if you like it, see if you think it's useful and right for you. If not, no worries, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you're brand new and you want to know more about who Tony is and what this checklist is and all that kind of jazz, because... When you're listening to the episodes, they presuppose a, a fair amount of a priori knowledge. Go listen to episodes 303, oh, sorry, 301, 303, and 305, season three, episode one, episode three, and episode five. That's where we give sort of the uh, best uh, background on Tony and, and how he, his 30 years in investing and how he developed the checklist and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can go back to listen to the first episodes of season one, too where we do the same thing, but we really did a better job of it when we did a reboot version of those later on after we'd been doing this for a year or two and we could do a better job of uh, telling that story, I think. So anyway, uh, enough from me. Have a great week. Good luck with your investing. Uh, We'll be back next time. Cheers. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFS cell 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions decisions.